Hello and welcome to a podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and joining me from the hot gates is your co-host, Nick Richardson. Hey man, it's uh it's a pretty pretty hot day out here out at the hot gates, which oh. gets its name from hot springs. Does it? I see I didn't know that. And for you guys who are uninitiated, we are going to be talking about the Battle of Thermopylae today. Which yes, uh, sir. that's where the hot gates come from, just just in case you were wondering. It's the hot gates. Yeah. Gotta enunciate that. I mean you you so can hot. if you want to. I'm just gonna say it like a normal, <laughs> regular person says things. So yeah, you know, people whatever. will probably close out if I start going hot all the time. So yeah, hot hot it is. Yeah, let's get just go with hot. That's I'm good with that. Um so yeah, the Battle of Thermopylae uh, from the year uh four eighty ish BC, uh between the Greeks and the Persians. So what was your introduction to this this battle? Because for me personally, uh, freshman year of college, I had to read just this terribly, terribly boring book about it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I want to say probably eight months before 300 came out. And I had no, like 300 was not on my radar. I had no idea who Zack Snyder was, didn't know the movie was coming out. But like, I read this book, barely fell asleep most times trying to read it. <laughs> Uh, wrote the paper on it, mostly forgot about it. 300 comes out on DVD, so this would probably have been a year and a half later. I watched the movie. I'm like, holy shit, this is that terrible book I read. <laughs> the movie was much better than that book. I couldn't yeah. even tell you the name of the book, but it was for a history class, and it was not good. Most of those are pretty dry. The difference is in The Professor. Um, this dude, Professor was not great. It was like, because he would do this thing that was like, all right, you guys read this book, and when, you know, at the end of the three weeks I give you to read the book, we'll we'll write the paper on it. But during that time, we're going to just study completely different things. Like so it wasn't like classes every day on that book. It was you guys read this book in three weeks we'll do one class on it and you guys will turn in your papers. So that is weird. Here's this dry ass book, read it in your spare time yeah. and uh, good luck. Yeah. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll come Not back to fun, it. dude. Yeah, that would immediately make me like that book a whole lot less. <laughs> when it was it was like one of those things like okay it's gotta be done in three weeks so like every time you get bored you just put it down or like i'll finish it later that i don't think i even finished it to be honest yeah you just, that's when the internet started coming around real you know, yeah. big time so it's like okay what spark notes let's yep. go <laughs> <laughs> been there brother got me it got me a c on the paper that's all i need that's all that matters you gotta get that passing so what was your but, introduction yeah mine uh um i you know, my dad, history buff, blah, 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 but he had a book on the Peloponnesian Wars, okay. um, which, you know, had a little segment in there. So I I read it, couldn't comprehend it as a kid, you know, a young kid. So my real introduction was high school, um, which was your standard, you know, the Battle of Thermopylae and the Spartans are amazing and they're impervious to, to everything, but they all died. So... You know, beware of that. Uh, Impervious to everything which, except death. Yes, death comes for us all, my friend. Yes. Uh, not today. Not today. It's a little preview God. for next week for you people out there. Right? We got to get this one out in yeah. the first place. When I got to college is when it got really fun. Mm-hmm. I had to read one of those dry-ass books you know, again. I wonder if it was the same my book. professor, possibly. It had like an um, orange cover. That's all I remember about it. Mine had a guy that just looked way too happy to be digging in the mud. <laughs> he, <laughs> no, that wasn't the same he just one. Had, he looked like, I don't know, Nigel Thornberry come to life. <laughs> and he's just like, yay! Um, 
but my professor was fantastic. Doc Roberts. Shout he, out, Doc. Uh, Doc Roberts, if you're probably dead by now, Oof. but <laughs> he was old as shit. Man. All right, but Doc. He, he uh he'd always talk about I'm gonna go home and crack open a Milwaukee's best. <laughs> that was like the highlight of his weekend. But he was a fantastic professor and he I mean we spent like three weeks on the battle oh, analyzing nice. it. Oh, it was super fun. I would have much rather done that than the other things we were doing in that class or trying to read this book. Like the the first like eight chapters of this book were dedicated to like the Persian dynasty and Xerxes family tree and King Darius before and all this bullshit that was just like it was like, I don't know, I can't even relate it to anything. It was just like reading, like, this guy was this guy's father. And then he attacked this place and got this uh, region into the Persian control. And then he died. And then the next guy came along and he got a different region in the Persian control. And they had six million warriors. Like, it was just numbers and dates and people and places. But it wasn't like... Let's talk about the battles. And then it finally got to the battles in like the last six chapters. And that part was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's they uh, they got to fill up them pages somehow. Yeah, they, first mean, eight chapters were the Persian dynasty. And then they did like five on what who the and what the Spartans were and Leonidas and his family tree. And it's like, Jesus Christ, just land the plane. Let's let's kill some Persians here. Let's do it for Sparta, son. Yeah, this is Sparta. This is Sparta. Such a good but anyway, <laughs> we, we're not going to talk too much about the movie. Uh, we've both seen it, obviously. Yes. Um, it, but it was, I just watched like the first half of it today. I was trying to fit the whole thing in, just didn't have time. I actually had to like work and stuff today. It was rough. Uh, but yeah, but um, it's, it's surprisingly accurate. Um, it it to, really is. Honestly. Yeah, it it's, I think it's ex- as accurate as we can expect for, for a movie that's about a battle that happened 2500 years ago that's made by the guy who also brought a sucker punch like that's what you get when you got it's, Zack snyder yeah it's directing his a movie over interpretation yeah well and and i'll i'll touch on a point about that later on when we kind of reach it about sucker I, punch no yeah we're gonna the 300 sucks. talk will be at the end of the uh uh, towards the end but we will talk a little 300 um there there's a bit of conflation between because there are two persian invasions of greece and so the movie kind of conflates both of them like facts from both of them to make this story mm. more interesting it helps but, make it make it make sense yeah yeah because like otherwise you'd have the first 20 minutes of the movie explaining darius and the xerxes family tree and who the <laughs> yeah. spartans are yeah you gotta do what you gotta <laughs> do. turn into that book i read so yeah we'll talk 300 a little bit but for the most part we want to focus on the battle what scholars think happened during the battle like nobody actually knows it's a lot of uh guesswork uh, yeah. educated guesswork not by us by other people who are much smarter than us or at least much smarter than me um, me too i don't claim to be a historian <laughs> most of these people were in that field <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i did a lot of wikipedia research so noise that's, that's um, as good as i can bring to it well, I'm sure in your Wikipedia research, you came across the name Herodotus. Yes. Uh, he's, if, he's one of the guys. Yep. He's one of the, the main players who kind of, I mean, he's the historian of the Western world. We know a lot from Herodotus. Seemed to inflate the numbers of this battle quite a bit, though. Big time, big time. But luckily, I did find some numbers um, that's kind of between him and two other guys that actually, you know, sounds about right. You know, it was numbers where they actually had 
the same, roughly the same, within a hundred or two. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to take those numbers, but not his two million, and you know, this guy's 120k. Right. Yeah. So, but, but kind of want to give a background on kind of what led to the battle and and who the different factions involved were. Um, so pretty much, like I said, this was the the Battle of Thermopylae happened during the second invasion of Greece by the Persians. Uh, the first one was failed by uh, King Xerxes' father, King Darius. Uh, Darius the Great. Was he the Great? <laughs> I, I believe was that was Darius, Darius the Great. One. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I'm almost positive that's Darius the Great. He probably called himself Darius the Great, just as Xerxes called himself God King. But, you know, whatever. These guys, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of made-up nicknames, you know, self-proclaimed nicknames back in the day. Yeah, they. I mean, you could claim you're a god and people would believe it. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, once you conquer and subjugate them they're willing to believe anything that's going to keep yep. them alive too uh, i don't know about believe but they'll go along with it right because people exactly. people like to live so the persians uh reached greece during the spartan celebration of carnea which it was it it's basically their harvest festival i want to say and <laughs> they the spartans can't do battle during carnea uh, well it was, it was or, also the olympic games as well right. so <clears throat> they had a uh that was pretty much the double jeopardy, you do not engage in warfare or else. Leonidas uh, decided to consult the Oracle of Delphi and was given a prophecy. I'm going to read the prophecy, try and stay with me here. O, you, o ye men who dwell in the streets of broad Lacedaemon, honor the festival of the Carnea. Otherwise, either your glorious town shall be sacked by the children of Perseus or, in exchange, must all through... The whole Laconian country mourn for the loss of a king descendant of Her- of the great Heracles. So basically, hey guys, don't fight. Yeah, We're good. Don't fight, and uh, Leonidas, this is about you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I Just will say, after consulting out, with the Leo. oracle, um, he still took his case to you know the elders, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought it was the other way. Well, in the movie, they portray it the other way around. He goes to the elders, and they consult the oracle either way it doesn't matter he talks to everyone trying to let them you know be like hey let me go well th- what's nobody's given that is one big difference actually the elders did but not in the way they no. kind of they saw it as a you know a big enough threat that after dealing with you know and almost losing the whole country during the battle of marathon and uh, you know the athenians mm-hmm. win they knew he was a, they knew xerxes wasn't playing um nah. and he had uh, not fuck around well and i mean he did some crazy feats that they didn't depict in 300 and a lot of people don't know like he connected pontoon boats to cross the hellespont so they had that in the back of their mind That's that dope. is crazy that is an amazing feat of engineering and i mean yeah nick did a lot more research for this than i did i i had a pretty stacked week at work uh so yeah He's going to be throwing this shit at me all day, and I I'm, I love it. I I really like the idea of this battle, which is weird because of my first introduction mm-hmm. to it was so terrible. So dry. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but like, so I was like, I this is just stupid. I would never be into it. But like, just just the idea behind it of everything that went into it and how it moved along progress for the Greeks is kind of cool. It's super fascinating, and I mean, it's one of the hinge points of history, which which yeah. I just fascinates the shit out of me we'd, we'd all be asian right now if this didn't happen oh right. man we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one we'll <laughs> but yeah they uh you know so he he has made this giant army come with him and i mean they hugely inflate numbers most of the time but it's still massive and uh 
to move them along while crossing the Hellespont and just starting to roll up town. So, I mean, there was fear brewing among a non-fearful people, which mm-hmm. I've... Yeah, the, the Spartans, uh, they, they're always ready for battle. That's what, that's what they so do. It's, it's weird to see them not, like, be a little uh, hesitant to go into a battle. But, yeah, like you said, he... Leonidas, you know, he consulted the Oracle, he consulted the elders. The elders kind of went along with him, uh, basically bringing his bodyguard, his 300 bodyguards to yes. battle. And that's how they got there. Yep. His, they, he couldn't call his full army, couldn't mm-hmm. go into full-on war, but he could, you know, go for a stroll yeah. with his bodyguards. I go scout. As they put it in the movie. But yeah. they also only took those 300 men that had sons which I thought was super yes. dope as well, because I think you would have to, to give into that as like, I don't know, you'd have to make that concession because then you're not costing the state anything. And ultimately the state right, of Sparta, they, they have uh, warriors to replace exactly. the warriors you're about to exactly. lose. Exactly. Cause everybody, everybody kind of knew going in that this is a suicide. Right. Issue. And he didn't have the full support of the state. So he was going to have to get it on the way which is crazy when you think about it. Like, hey, go out there and see if you can get some people. And there were, um, there were like, yeah, there were several factions involved. We have the Spartans and the Persians, and then there were uh, several other Greek factions in there as well, helping the Spartans. You know, give us a little background on on all these people. There was on, on who was in the. There back. was quite a few actually that made up the, um, you know, the compilation of. Greek city-states, of Greeks, yeah. uh, but the big players were Athens, um, mm-hmm. obviously the democratic seat of ancient Greece. <laughs> like it's one of shout out Athens. Yep, thank you for thinking. Big thoughts. You guys are great. Yeah, just thinking. Really, <laughs> you are awesome. And democracy is a little bit messed up right now, but it's pretty cool. I'd rather be in a democracy than communism. That's for damn sure. Or under Persian control. Right. Um, yeah. But they had the navy. So they had what Sparta did not, obviously. Well, and they, at the same time as the battle, we should probably uh, mention this, that at the same time as the Battle of Thermopylae, there was a naval battle going on at Artemisium. Yes. Um, which was mostly between Athens and the Persians as well. So that these two battles are going concurrently, and uh, what happens at Thermopylae ends up helping kind of what's going on at Artemisium in the end of it. Absolutely. And that was thanks to Athens' massive buildup before the war. The tri- they, they ordered, I want to say, a thousand triremes, which is, you know, obviously mm. crap. There was probably a hundred, which is still... That's some Euron Grejo yeah. shit. <laughs> Hopefully they didn't have any... Build me 10,000 ships. Oh, they're done next week. You come pick them yeah, up. Oh, cool. Here I am. I need 20,000 men across the sea in four hours. <laughs> Westeros isn't that big. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it takes about 15 minutes to get to the wall. You know, whatever. It's right up the yeah. road. Yeah, no worries. But there, so there was Athens. Um, and and we should also – sorry to cut you off no, again. No, but we should also mention that Carnea was only a Spartan celebration. So the rest of Greece could actually do battle at this they time. They were – which is why battle. the Battle of Artemisian is going on. It's just the Spartans were the closest to Thermopylae. They had the best chance of getting there to defend it. That's why Leonidas and they're the best warrior, like land uh, cavalry warriors. Uh, infantry, infantry guess, yeah. Be, they're, not they're yeah. the best. With they're the best warriors, miles. I mean, because that's what they do. So they would have been the closest ones and the best suited to stop them in this tactical spot. 
Oh, which we'll get into the tactics behind that. In a oh, yeah. Bit, but. Which is really fun whenever we get there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the Spartans, obviously a major, major player. Um, they're the ones who, along with Athens, or is, uh, Eritrea, I want to say, were the ones who threw, you know, the, the emissaries into the, to the, basically to their deaths. Um, so the Spartans were now, picking I read a fight. that happened during the first, that, that part of it actually happened during the first invasion. Was it? So yeah. That's what I read. I could be wrong. Like, this is all Wikipedia and it's from a few days ago. I didn't write that down, but I thought that happened in the first invasion like they sent the emissaries and they were like no you're not getting anything from us and threw them down the well i it's quite possible um yeah if it i don't know i maybe be misremembering but either way you look at it sparta sparta had picked a fight they sent two Mm -hmm. of their own to like uh you know atone for it i guess um but they were they were the most badass motherfuckers on earth at that time when it came to close quarters sword you know, spear combat. Like they were great tacticians. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. They were excellent. Had the best technology well, for the time. And the upbringing of Spartan men is something else that the movie gets mostly right. That basically you're just thrown into battle from the day you're, I don't know, old enough to understand what yeah, fighting exactly. is. Yeah, exactly. And you, I mean, you gotta uh, kill and people. And it's just battle and battle and battle. Steel, yeah, it's, it's not fun. I don't know about the whole thing about sending him out to to fight a wolf all alone. Like that might be a little um, in the snow, barefoot. fabricated. <laughs> yeah, that might be fabricated. I, I I don't know. I wasn't there, but for the most part, like just throwing them in to fight and uh, babies who weren't perfect were kind of t- tossed aside. They they bred terminators basically. Yeah. Um, well armored, well you know, trained terminators, and. Uh, that's kind of how I've always looked at the Spartans, which I find awesome. They got, the, you know, the best of the best armor. That's really their, like, entire GDP of the year. Sweet six-pack eggs. Yeah, no kidding. Too. Enough to really, you know, have... It's kind of like the Batman nipples. They're just so serious, you gotta have them, you know, <laughs> fitted around. And then the Persians, who, as a, you know, people were just a conglomerate of, you know, yeah, they're a mishmash. Oh, everybody. Basically, every Asian region available at the like Persia, the Persian Empire reached mostly across mm-hmm. Asia at the time, and were obviously comprised of some of the oldest peoples known to man. <laughs> they have knowledge, they have experience, they have size on their side. So it's a ve- right, and the Persians. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's a very David and Goliath moment. Mm-hmm. And the Persians had a propensity for figuring out who knew what and how to kind of play into whoever they were conquering strengths. So you you conquer a, a region and you subjugate most of them, but you keep their leaders on as now your generals and things. And it, I don't know if this happened in real life either, but in the movie that, that Xerxes, there's a moment where he basically says, you know, kneel now to Leonidas, kneel now, and you'll be a uh, commander of the whole Persian infantry, basically. And th- that, that was something that the Persians did is they were very forward thinking and accepting very, of very. ideas from other cultures. They, they wanted you to basically be their slaves, but they would accept your ideas and use them if they were better than the ideas they already had. Well, not even that. They kind of, 
absolutely that. I didn't mean to discount that. Um, but the, it was it was very much a live and let live mentality, kind of like the Mongolians. Um, you can mm-hmm. practice what religion you want. You could do what you want, but damn it, you had to pay your due to the king or you know the leader or whoever was in charge, whether it be Xerxes, Kublai Khan. It's they're very right. very similar in that. And and they pro- in both invasions, the first and the second, it, they promised the Greeks. You know, you can you can have your way of life, but you're ours. Yes, we want and the money. The Greeks weren't having we it. We want the money and because the I think, I think the Greeks could probably see that. Yeah, you say that now to get us to agree with you, but how long is that actually going to last? Absolutely, and for for the majority of the people, it would last for people like Leonidas who had something to add to the Persians, mm-hmm. or some of the forward-thinking Athenians like that. Some people would would stay around and get to live their life the way they want, but there would be a lot of people who would not get to live the life they, that they planned for. Absolutely not, and no one wants to be owned. No one wants to answer to someone who hmm. is... That's strange. Well, absolutely, and I could not even imagine being, uh, you know, being held to a high standard by a foreign power who could basically kill me at any time they wanted if they don't like it. I'm basically, eh, you can stay if you want, you know. It's yeah. You brought the booze, you can hang out for a while. That weird guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> no one wants to be treated <laughs> that way. Especially not these, no. these forward-thinking Western countries who, in their own right, have contributed amazing amounts to philosophy, history, stuff like that. They, yeah. they stand on equal footing. For the most part, yeah. And so the this the second invasion of Greece I thought was super interesting of kind of why it happened mm-hmm. because the first invasion they're just basically trying to expand as much as they can expand and conquer as much as they can conquer but during the second invasion it it wasn't started by Xerxes it was started by his father Darius before he died um in a revolt from Egyptians I yep. want to say eighty six BC yeah something like that uh so basically Darius wanted to just punish anyone who was involved in any revolt against his rule, uh, which this included the Greeks that had revolted during the Ionian re- revolt. Um, so the first Persian invasion of Greece, it failed at the battle of marathon. And basically just in response to that, Darius is like, fuck this. I'm getting the biggest army I can ever get just for Greece. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, you know what? You guys want to, you guys want to revolt. Like I'm coming at you with everything that, that can possibly be. And, uh, well, it didn't work. Still didn't work. Then Xerxes finished Darius's job. Yeah. But basically, he was just petty. Mm -hmm. He was like, I don't like you guys because you beat me. So now I'm going to beat you even harder. Right. (laughs) I'm taking... It's it's Tom Haverford. See, I like being the guy with the ball. Because when I left, I got to take the ball home. And no one could play. (laughs) That's what I felt like Darius and Xerxes, to a great extent, were doing. Well, yeah, Xerxes was definitely just like a petulant child, like a, a trust fund baby who's like, well, daddy said that I need to do this, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, watch me, guy. <laughs> I could see him just being a absolute shit. And I'm, even with the way Zack Snyder portrayed him in like 300 and how I've seen in you know just old books. I was actually a little disappointed with his portrayal. In 300? Yeah, because I had read this book and it it was basically told like he's this godlike figure, like eight feet tall, like super big, like basically Zion Williamson, but two feet taller and and just as intimidating. Yeah, no shit. And uh, 
just not on the hardwood. I, like I just didn't I just didn't get that from the portrayal in 300. He was just like I guess he was more flamboyant. He was very than I expected. Odd. Um which I kind of also goes with the the Persian style of like he he fashions himself a god so he's going to do whatever the hell he wants and be who he wants and as forward thinking you know the, he he reminded me more of like oberin martel like pansexual i'm just gonna do whatever the hell i that's want that's a great analogy actually yeah uh that Once rather than just like this domineering figure of like that dude's fucking scary he's not a he's not a Leonidas figure. He's not a, like a Thor type guy who's just eight right. feet tall, blonde, and gigantic muscles. He's he's a more of a thinker, um, which I yeah. thought was cool. He's a ruthless thinker, but dude was a, a yeah, great tactician. Yeah, disappointed is is right because anytime I've seen the movie since then, like I, I do like his portrayal in that movie. It just wasn't it subverted my expectations when I went. I was expecting them to like put Shaq in there basically. It was. Too much, yet not enough at the same time. Yeah, is kind of how I looked at it. And Shaq would have been a terrible pick, but if they could have got no, oh no no, no. not Shaq, <laughs> Dude, that'd be not, so not much... actual Shaq, somebody with the like stature of Shaq. in three hundred. You see Shaq, hey Leonidas, <laughs> hey I need you. I am Xerxes, uh, Neil, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> Sorry. That was a tangent Sorry, on my... Shaq. Yeah. Shaq, if you're listening, <laughs> you the man. I mean, go back to being Kazam, Shaq. You're good at that. No, sir. You sucked. And, yeah, so so going into this, you know, there's pretty high stakes for Greece and for Sparta and, and also for the conquering Persian Empire. Do you want to talk to that? Any? Absolutely. It, you're 100% right where, like we've said before, this was a, a turning point for humanity and mm-hmm. i think obviously what they wouldn't know is going to go down in history quite like this but i think everybody involved knew this was a big deal and i mean greece and especially the spartans they're they're fighting for dominance of the country they are mm-hmm. a leading power they don't want to be pushed to the side they don't want to lose their way of life like we said you know it's well yeah it for for sparta and for greece as a whole to them it was the death the would have been the death of free thinking it's like if someone parachuted into america and started saying you know eh, yeah you guys are gonna serve us now like if north korea invaded america mm-hmm. Hell no. We would absolutely not stand for that shit. North Korea would need a lot bigger army to uh to live up to that analogy, but yeah, that's what that it's basically China. the same thing of China. like Let's go with China. You're 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 okay being here, but you're going to live the way we want you to and you're going to think the way we want you to. And if you think outside of what we want you to, if we don't like it, then you, you're no good yep, to us. You're done. So free thinking is allowed until we don't mm, like it, and then you're dead. Much. Um, and then, and so the Persians. Uh, well, I I do want to say one more thing. Legacy. Mm-hmm. Every society wants to you know be a part of you know leave a lasting legacy. You think the Romans didn't want to be known forever, or the Egyptians? Well, yeah, you don't want something like that. Right, you don't want to be the ones responsible for the fall of your way of Hell life. Hell no! And this was viewed as that and luckily it wasn't a one-sided affair because i think i I think greece would have rolled persia 
more than they it wouldn't have had any stakes if Persia didn't have a stake in it as well. Because if they if mm-hmm. they lose to a bunch of cobbled together city states from a society of people that they look at as unsophisticated and barbarian esque, <laughs> and how would that you know you couldn't be an empire if you lost? Well, because. Right, the the Persians think they're forward thinking and accepting of other cultures, and the way at the time the Greek city states were set up is like Athens was the forward thinking city state, Sparta was the military city state. You know, they they had all these different factions that basically did different mm-hmm. things. So the Persians thought that they were, as a whole, all of that combined. Yes, and to some extent they were. But also at the same time they weren't because you couldn't be too free thinking in the Persian society without getting God. Yeah, incurring the wrath of somebody. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because if anyone was free thinking enough to go, well, maybe this dude isn't a god, then like they're out. Sorry. Yeah. Peace. Hey, you wanna you wanna come behind this place and see a sharp thing I got? Come on over. It it doesn't make sense that this dude is a god. Like I saw him. I, I saw his mother give birth to him, like just like the same way I saw this lady give birth to this kid. Like, there's no way he's a god because that doesn't make sense. That you can't think that way in a in person. No, and they, I mean, they'll do some crazy shit and wipe your entire family off the face of the earth. Like, oh, yeah, pull some reins of Castamir shit, dude. I wonder if uh, Xerxes had his own reins of Castamir that he played. I don't know. Yeah. Fuck up Greece, dude. Dude, dude. They just they had a little anthem. Yeah, it would it would just be fo- solely focused on like how they can be Greece. Like they're not even worried about anything else at this point. Egypt sucks. Greece is worse. <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of tambourines and probably some, you know, some bells of some kind. That'd be fascinating. Well, and another thing kind of at stake for the Persians here, Greece was kind of a gateway to the rest of Europe. Yes, and. Greece is, you know, kind of in the in the southern portion of Europe, if my geography is correct. I'm not great at geography. But if you conquer Greece, you get their armies, which were vast and good. Mm-hmm. And you also get a gateway to the rest of Europe. Yes, you, absolutely. You find, you find ways in. And you you have the you have the Spartans who you let them continuing living their way of life and raising warriors. So now you have an army of great warriors. You also have them teach your armies how to fight the way they fight. Uh, the Athenians had a great army and a great navy as well. You inherit that as as you conquer Greece. So, I mean, there was more to it than Persia just being petty and mad yes. that they revolted. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they were mad and petty because they revolted. That also. was their, I think. The, the gateway to the the western part of Europe, I want to say, was mm. almost a secondary concern because, oh my God, the Greeks besmirched, besmirched my father's legacy and his honor. I got to rede- I got to make my legacy better again. I got to patch that up. But you're a hundred percent right, dude. If they if they got through Greece, most of those societies were pretty primitive at the time. Still, you know, compared to these warring mm-hmm. powers, but but still. I can't imagine we would never have so much free thinking. We probably never had the Crusades, <laughs> but we'd never have the Renaissance either. That might be okay. Yeah. Crusades weren't always uh, as great as Robin Hood makes them out to be. No. Shout out Kevin Costner. <laughs> so, you know, we're we're like halfway through this thing. Should we actually talk about the battle at some point? Definitely, yeah. dude. 
<laughs> so the Spartans took to, they decided that they were going to take the fight closer to the Persians. They weren't just going to wait where they were. They wanted to go to Thermopylae, the, the south side of Thermopylae, uh, where this uh, yes. structure called the Hot Gates lies. And the Hot Gates is this narrow passageway uh, with kind of a wall built into one side. And then if you get far, far enough over to the wall, it's basically just cliffs. that mm-hmm. you'll. It, it's not a sheer cliff like they show in the movie, but it's still like cliffs and valleys. Like it's not stable ground once you kind of get off to the side of the wall. So this was a very strategic position for them yep. because they could use their smaller numbers to their advantage at that point and kind of block this area off. Uh, they, so they, they got the hot gates, they got the cliffs, and then, uh, there's an interesting on the mountains to the other side, there's a pass that could be used to outflank the Greece, the Greeks, uh, have, if somebody were to find Sons it somehow, but they, I don't know, they I don't, I don't know how that would perfect happen. Maybe we'll, place we'll to, look into that. Um, well, they, they knew, like you said, they were going to want to roll yeah, they knew up what they were Greece. Doing. So that was the place to do it. That was access to Southern Greece off the cliffs was the sea, um, you know, at a distance. So the Athenians parked right there. Yeah, they had a blockade. You can't get in through the sea. And if you're in that funnel place, that takes away the Persians' best Mm -hmm. units, which are their cavalry. Right. Their their numbers don't count for anything. When in an open field, when you have 10,000 versus 7,000, and we'll get into the the actual numbers on each side, like like the 10,000 is going to overwhelm the 7,000 in – quite easily because you can flank and and do all that stuff but when mm-hmm. right but when you're going 10,000 against 7,000 and the 7,000 have their backs to walls you can't get around you have to go head to head with them so you can only fight you know that that front line versus that front line you can't do anything else no, um, you got to go through them right and which that's is tough. yeah that's hard with, especially with how the greeks fight so let's talk yes. numbers on each side what let's do what it. did you find for the persians Okay, for the Persians, um, and this is from Herodotus to basically every other. So 2.6 million men yeah, was Herodotus. what Herodotus said. Um, 4 million was another one by a contemporary. Mm-hmm. Most people fought, let it fall on between 120,000 to 300,000. Yeah, that's where modern scholars are right yeah. in that. I'm, I'm going with a, around 100,000. I, I don't even think it's that high. Is that just be impossible? The logistics of that in ancient times? No way. No yeah. way. So yeah, my, my note was anywhere from 120,000 to 4 million people in the Persian army, depending on who you ask. You know, it's... Uh, yes, exactly. Depending on, on which way you're... If you're rounding up or down. Yeah, no kidding. Just <laughs> round up a few. You know, make it sound cool. <laughs> but the, the Spartans were seven, roughly 7,000 well, 7, 7, strong. strong. Yeah, Spartans absolutely. were so, the 300. The 300 Spartans went there. Well... It's the the three hundred Spartan hoplites, so they're the, like the the, the warriors. Ha- basically, they're the they're the hardest warriors. They're the ones with all the body armor and the you know all the training. But there was also um, the the Lacedaemon- Lacedaemonians is basically just Greeks, right? And so they were joined on the way by by quite a few people from all throughout Greece. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you got the the rest of the Spartans, the Mantineans, the Tegeans, the Arcadians, which you hear about, mm-hmm. um, and 50 other things, but the big ones are the Phocians, 
Yep. The Arcadians and the Lacedaemonians slash 300 Spartans. Those are your big, big players. Specifically because those Phocians were the 1,000 set really hard to... pronouncing ancient Greek words. Yes, yes. I'll Most of that. it comes from Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I had to... Uh, <laughs> like, you, you sent me the outline for this, and mm-hmm. you... To your credit, you spelled Thermopylae correctly, and I'm like, that can't be right. And I have to, I had to Google it, and I've, I've looked at the word Thermopylae like a hundred times probably, and I was like, ah, no, that, he didn't spell it right. Let me look it up, and it, you had it right. It's, I misspell it all there, the time. Yeah, it's still very easy word to misspell. Well, shit, son, this is America. I don't want to spell stuff like that. I spelled it that way, so that's how it's spelled. Damn it. <laughs> I seen it that way. I seen it. I seen it. You kill someone with your bare hands. I sing it. <laughs> but the <laughs> you mentioned a uh, you know something that possibly could undo the the Spartan force if they you know possibly got a pass, if you will. Are we gonna um, talk about that now? Uh, we can throw it out there if you want. No, I was let me let me say this. So there, we've established there's a pass. Yep. The Phocians were set to guard. Oh, that's said right. Pass. Yeah. That's so they're you know they're responsible for this. Those potions like their sleep. Let's you know they they were a groggy type. They were a bit groggy and you know, there's bitches. <laughs> they were no Spartans. We'll say that. No. So if you look at it this way, it's basically you have your all-star point guard, and then he's got you know your your rest of your starting five who are you know maybe. I don't know. Really good. You know, you can win J- the finals with them. JJ Reddick's got to be on your team, all right? And that's who the Phocians were. They're JJ Reddick. They're specialists. They didn't belong protecting the past by themselves. Let's say that. Mm, they're more Jimmer for de- Jimmer for debt. <laughs> I'm going with that one. You, you can't put JJ Reddick on LeBron James and expect him to defend. Can't put or Jimmer Rose for on LeBron James. <laughs> I'm still bitter about uh, <laughs> Bulls losing to the, the Cavs. That's a different story. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's not talk about, you know, let's not get too deep in the weeds there. Let's talk about the Greeks' tactics versus the Persians' tactics, how they expected to fight. Uh, how about you go over what the Greeks do did, and I'll go over what the Persians did. Just Sounds mix good. It up um, you touched on what the Greeks, you know, their tactic of being in a defensive position. And for once, they weren't mm-hmm. the attacking force. Obviously, you're outnumbered, so they played the, they rope-a-doped them. They played the long game. They made their numbers count for nothing. They made sure they, you know, quote unquote, couldn't be flanked. They picked the best geographical mm-hmm. position. There's not much else you can do to play a defensive, you know, play a defensive scheme. Right. Yeah. And uh, like they defended the hot gates. That, that was their spot. And then with the, the Greek phalanx, like there was no, no way through that. I obviously missed that. I shouldn't have. But the phalanx was their most famous tactic. And when it's in, you know, when it's tight and it's sound and they can basically not focus on being flanked 24 seven, you can, it's just water on rock, man. It, you will cut mm-hmm. them down constantly. It's the best defensive, you know, scheme in most of ancient combat next to like the roman legions they basically stole from the phalanx too the unsullied as well in game of thrones yes we got a lot of game of thrones uh teasers in here if you will Uh, yeah stay tuned uh (laughs) but the phalanx is just basically in the way they overlap their shields and then they layered their spears and they they use these super thick 
and and large oversized shields and then their spears were kind of extra long and with the way that they set up and protected each other's sides the the persians couldn't get through because yes. they could their spears were so long that they could attack at long long range persians had shorter spears or swords that couldn't they couldn't beat them in hand-to-hand combat basically uh, i read a few other things uh, that the greeks did they actually because they didn't have to use everyone at once in their defensive position, yes, they were absolutely. able to rotate, rotate in and out units yep. to prevent fatigue. So this is where like hockey shifts came from. Like you know, hockey coaches they watch the uh, the Greek phalanx and are like, "Hey, we can do that. Just move people in and out. Let's get it." But I mean, isn't that so cool that they they had the the wherewithal to do something like that? So they wearing the armor they got and 300 fucked this up so bad they're not yeah, they don't wear any armor. yeah th- these dudes are covered head to toe in co- you know copper bronze armor mm-hmm. and that stuff back then was tough basically if if the persians weren't up close firing arrows at them those were completely useless and they had yep. giant shields which protected the man next to them as well as themselves and they're they were so good with spears it's ridiculous because that's the, the focus of the phalanx so, i mean they precision yeah the strikers. shields the shields only do so good yeah, like at some point you have to actually attack the people who are attacking you also so yeah they're mm-hmm. they're very good with spears and they had they had spearmen you know kind of further back in the phalanx that could it, accurately hit people you know on the front lines uh, the enemies on the front lines so it was it was the people on the front lines you know basically stabbing at the the other the other team for lack of a better word because i'm not <laughs> doing good with words right now and there was also people further back that could throw the spears as well and then yeah. i even read at one point uh this is when the immortals were attacking and i'll get into what the immortals are and things like that in a minute they uh the greeks ran a fake retreat and then just yes. turned around and started attacking them yes, which i was the... like that that's pretty funny well, I mentioned the Mongolians earlier. That's mm-hmm. where they got this idea from, is the Greeks were masters at feigning retreat, and then while they're chasing you, basically turning, setting the phalanx, and just slaughtering just, the shit yeah. out of them. And when Set you have a, wall, a force yeah. of, of that many coming at you, forward momentum's a bitch, dude. You're falling on that spear. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't have to do much. And that is... That's incredible that a force of 7,000 can just take on concurrent wave after wave after wave of, of men. Yeah, so how the Persians attacked, uh, their their first attack was uh, Xerxes sent out 5,000 archers to just bombard them with arrows, and they just bounced off the armor pretty yep. much. And not, not effective. And they 100 were, yards I think, away. 100 meters away, yeah, and mm. just nothing. It is meters, yes, so yeah. 300 yards. That's That's really not that far when you think about it. Uh, so then, once that didn't work, he sent uh, basically frontal assault after frontal assault and waves of 10,000 men. After, again, there's only 7,000 on the other side that are rotating in and out as as you go. Well, there's really down to 6,000 because the the Phocians are gone. What, what do we call them? Phocians. Phocians. They're, they're gone. They're not, they're not attacking. So it's only like 6,000 Greek at this point, um, just fending off wave after wave of 10,000 men. So With that's backups. not working. Yeah. <laughs> So that's not working. So then they send in the immortals, and these are the elite core of the the Persian army. And in the the movie, they use like magic and shit, which probably not true. That I don't think they went to Hogwarts or anything like that. Uh, but but they were super dope fighters. Like they they knew what yes. they were doing. They they, were very these were advanced. the Spartans of the Persian military, 
and mm-hmm. again, super this, experienced. This is a a group of ten thousand men going after a much smaller group. Can't can't do anything there. And that's, no, so that's on day one. It's just wave after wave. Day two starts. Uh, there's uh, we probably should have mentioned this at some point. The standoff lasted seven days with three days of actual battle. Mm-hmm. So the first the first four and a half days were just like sitting at each other, staring at each other. Yeah. So dude, you gonna do something? Yeah. What's up, bro? So then on day two, uh, Xerxes sends uh, I think like one or two more waves. They get bounced back. They, he thought, you know, that they'll be tired by now. They they yeah. don't have that many men. They'll be worn down. We'll be able to get through. The first day took a toll. Yes. Yeah, still doesn't fucking happen. Sorry, Zerks. Mm-hmm. These guys are out. <laughs> so he actually withdraws his troops. Uh, and and just he he just stops. He's like, all right, let's regroup. Let's figure something else out. And that's when he's approached by this dude, Efialtes. Efialtes, the piece of shit yeah fuck that guy. um he he was the one who informed them of the past that went Mountain behind pass. the greeks yep yep and uh so efialtes has now been turned into i don't want to say a swear word but basically it means nightmare in the greek language now yes and so it's kind of like bitch. uh how we would refer to someone as a benedict benedict arnold that's a yeah great Same analogy thing. dude jesus christ yeah, that's fantastic bad with words but good with analogies today uh, so they sent, so after learning <laughs> about the, the mountain pass, um, from Rob Stark and his dire wolf, they send 20,000 men up the mountain pass to attack whoever's waiting or to basically encircle, to outflank the Greeks. Yes. And that's where we get back to our, uh, sleeping Phocians. Our Phocian brethren. They were caught off guard so hard. They heard some and... rustling in the woods and decided yeah. to, they needed to mount up. Hey, what's that? They were and like then, the ghost hunters. Yeah. What's that? Did you hear that? So they retreat back to a, a, like a little further off. And uh, the the way the Persians got past them is they shot arrows at them. Yeah. And then just and then just kept going. Like yep. they didn't they didn't shoot arrows to attack them. They shot arrows to make them think that there was an attack coming. And then they just didn't attack. They just fucking went down their path. Peace. So yeah, they, they circumnavigated them pretty you know the Phocians are... Yeah, the Phocians are really the, the star lord of this this group. They're dicks. Uh, they they got pinned down. Spider-Man they're, had the not... Infinity Gauntlet off, Quill. Just leave yes. him alone. See my Twitter at alone underscore podcast, and you will see my feelings on Peter. It's Quill. all part of the plan. It's all Bastard. Uh, <laughs> so... They, you know, they shot arrows at him, and they hid behind some rocks, basically. They're like, man, we're really sleepy, and this guy's shooting stuff at They weren't hiding behind rocks, they were defending the rocks. They needed a better position to defend from, so they got, they went off the path to make sure that they could defend the path, <laughs> obviously. After you, sir. I, I gotta <laughs> defend over here, this is my spot, you know, never. Don't trust the Phocians. <laughs> yeah, bastards. You know, if a Phocian person, if they still exist, hears this, we're going to get some hate mail. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And Unless you're, I mean, if you're a, a descendant of Ephialtes, then we're going to just say fuck you as well. Yeah. Uh, but that was really, that was the turning point of the war. Yes. Them and... finding the past, the past. And I, I, I said Rob Stark earlier that I, that's kind of what Rob did in the Song of Ice and Fire books with Grey Wind. He, Grey Wind while Rob Stark is sleeping, would go and find these kind of paths that nobody else would know. He'd find hunting paths and things like that because he's a wolf and can move. And yeah. because Rob Stark may have some otherworldly powers, he can see what Grey Wind's seeing while he sleeps. 
he has some dreams that tell him, you know, how to win wars. Yeah. And unfortunately, this was the undoing of the Greeks. They, they just, they didn't give credit where credit was due. Um, You know that if they're trying to blow through you anyways, if they find, you can't defend 20,000 men through that. And Leonidas knew he was fucked, held a quick war council and said, all right, y'all. Most of you gotta bounce. Yeah, he you, said if you, you want know. to go, you can go. And mm-hmm. well, to his there's, credit, there's a lot of people debate. stayed. There's yeah. well, there's yeah. debate about whether he told them to go or whether he ordered them to go, which or whether they just went. Yeah, which I, I'm sure it was probably a combination. of I can all tell you three. what, the Phocians, they just left. They they didn't give a shit. They never were seen again. <laughs> they just kind of they ghosted themselves because they're such assholes. Goddamn after they held their war council, um, you're right. Quite a few men stayed behind. Nearly two thousand is what uh, what I mm-hmm. read, um, comprising of you know all kinds of different people. Yeah, and then they on that last day for their last stand, they they actually met the Persians out in open field battle. They they weren't defending the hot gates anymore at this point. They basically wanted to go down in a last stand. Uh, they some you know some people say it was to allow time for the the Greeks who were escaping to escape and and go back and tell their stories. Some say it was to create like a rear guard for them. They, you mm. know, there's a lot. Of, others just say like they're tired of fighting. Like there's a lot of different theories on why they did this, but I, I think it it's kind of a probably a combination of everything. Absolutely, I think they three thousand or however many survived that were able to get away. That that's people that can fight another day. Now, anything smaller than the 2K men that, that remain probably would have been a, a completely ineffective rear guard. So it's... it's I, I always struggle with it. Would that still happen today? Like, I, I, I know there's acts of bravery to save a comrade, but to have the wherewithal as a unit on the ground like that comprised of people already at war with each other, most likely, you know, between Greek city-states... And having the wherewithal to go, okay, there's the big picture here. I gotta stay and die. <laughs> this yeah. sucks. Well, and they they have this this adage of you know come back wearing your shield or on it, which was a real Spartan adage at the time. Uh, so that that's kind of what they looked as Spartans. That's what they looked forward to. I don't know if all of the uh, different Greeks looked forward to that, but definitely the no, Spartans did. Absolutely, and then luckily they got their their glorious end. Yes, they did. They did. They did. Most of them. Well, I guess all of them. All yeah, all of them died. All the ones that stayed behind. Yeah. <laughs> A lot <laughs> and, of people died there. Well, it's, unfortunately, they couldn't. Rem- you know, they came out to to fight in open battle, so Xerxes was able to use his cavalry. Well, yeah, they just and fucked it was it. over they just after that. Closed in on. They had him fully encircled. They just closed in on him. It, it was kind of like again back to Game of Thrones, like the Battle of the Bastards before the Vale Army shows mm-hmm. up. It just collapses down on the the Greeks at that point. Yeah, and God, that would be so. That'd be a shitty way to die. Just basically yeah. standing there waiting to get killed. The, the movie does a much better job of like we're just gonna stand here and get shot with a bunch of fucking arrows. Yeah, that's a little better. It's a free uh, for all, and we're getting shot. So yeah, and we've ta- we've talked a lot about three hundred. We're not gonna talk about the sequel at all because it was bad, and I couldn't even tell it's you the what worst happened. Movie I've ever fucking yeah, seen. Yeah, well, that's that might be going a little far. There's I've seen worse <laughs> movies. Hey now, hey, 
I've seen a lot of bad movies, um, but it, it was mostly forgettable, not very good. We won't talk about it because it, it and it doesn't deal with this battle at all, anyways. No. Uh, so let's just talk a little bit real life, quote unquote. You know, as much as scholars think happened versus what happened in the movie. Uh, that the main thing is that there are a lot more Greeks there, obviously. Yes. Um. They they really hyper. I would. It sounds weird to say it, but they hypersexualized it. Like they made oh, it yeah. romantic and um, they inflated quite a quite a bit. But when you look at the facts, it's still fascinating. And mm-hmm. they they were pretty spot on with a lot of stuff, surprising amounts of stuff. Yeah, and the the other thing that they they kind of fudged a little bit, and and I I can get why they did this is the kind of the Persian monsters and magic uh, coming at them, and I think a lot of that is probably rooted in the fact that these stories were told from. Pre- kind of like the movie is done it's told by a survivor mm-hmm. telling the rest of the army trying to build them up to go fight for their king so you embellish that you make Absolutely. it sound like the odds were much worse and i think for a lot of these spartans like they had probably never seen somebody over six foot eight so a seven foot tall person is going to look like a giant oh especially uh, when they're like five three yeah. five four right exactly you they've never seen an elephant so an elephant's going to look like a monster at that elephants and rhinos are going to look huge in comparison to anything that they've ever seen before mm-hmm. so i think it's it's emphasized but all of these monsters are kind of rooted in real life things it was just you know embellished a little bit and over exaggerated because to somebody who's never seen an elephant like that would be a crazy fucking thing to witness oh absolutely and you kind of have to add the the, some other embellishment somewhere because you can't crossing the hellespont was a bitch and the the persians tamed the hellespont that's a hell of a thing i'm sure the spartans were like holy fuck dude he just walked over here he walked man <laughs> and they were they were probably freaking out so you can't really show that on a movie and people being like no you know they really they really did a good job um the hellespont if you didn't know is really uh persnickety it'll oh. fuck you up yep i guess so <laughs> persnickety i like that so let's get into the aftermath of the battle. What happened? What what do we get from this battle? The the victor of the battle. Who won it? Who won? Who won the battle? <laughs> Who won it? It was uh obviously All the Greeks died, so the Greeks as a whole won this battle. Um they I don't know that they won the battle. Well, they definitely didn't win the battle. They win in the end. Um, they, they win the, the actually, war. Actually, if you know they did win this battle because they showed that the Persians can be sh- that can be slowed and they can suffer. Yeah, it was you like know, when Rafi cut losses. Ivan Drago that first time, really. Yes. He is a man. He bleeds. That's yeah. what they won. And I mean that's uh that's a hell of a thing when you're looking, you know, you're across from a impenetrable, undefeatable force. If you can make them bleed, you can make them suffer. Yeah, they they'd never been defeated in battle. I mean, they've probably been defeated in smaller battles, but for the most part, they conquered whoever they wanted to conquer. And a big thing for for the Greeks, even though literally all of them that stayed behind died, mm-hmm. it the seven days of this battle held them back enough for the blockade in Artemisian to work, and for the rest of the Spartans, because they fought, the rest of the Spartan army could then go regroup with other Greeks and create a real greek army to stand up to the persians and it gave them enough time to do those things had they not held this last stand at thermopylae 
that the Greeks would have just been scattered and they wouldn't have been able mm-hmm. to kind of come together to, in the end, eventually defeat the Persians. Yeah, it was the first instance of that really in history where they, as an entire nation, you know, rose up to defeat the enemy when before, you know, just a couple months ago, they are separate city-states fighting amongst themselves for power on a landmass. Right. That's, that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that's... That's what came of it. The the Greeks got to hold on to their free thinking. I mean, a little bit disheveled at this point, but they got to hold on to their free thinking ways of life for the most part. Um, the Spartans, I don't think, ever really fully recovered from that, though. And they kind of started to get on a decline after that. Uh, well, after the they defeated the lion in the room, so they never really needed uh to be as as great anymore and i think you're right they lost a lot they they bled a lot in the future battles they they lost a ton of the male population you can never really bring that back but i i want to say that they probably rode on um you know word of mouth quite a bit like oh Mm -hmm. shit that's a spartan if if they weren't already bad yeah i'm sure they never had to buy a drink in in the in the uh Athenian bar again no, and they had plenty of dates on Tinder. They were yeah. ready to go. It's like the dude who who hits the the game winner in March Madness. Like, yeah, he's not going to the NBA, but he got his team to the Elite Eight. So you know, he doesn't ever have to buy a drink in this town again. Damn right. Yeah, um, and and that's you know there are a lot of great battles throughout history. A lot of them stand up to the test of time. This is one of those that you know, despite being over twenty five hundred years ago, it give or take. It people still know about it. People still talk about it. You know, we ran a poll on Twitter earlier that got some votes, not as many as I would have liked, but it got some votes. And a lot of people had learned a bit from 300. A lot of people learned a bit from school and in other ways. So like people are still learning about this, even though you don't learn about, I couldn't name one battle that the Roman empire, you know, held, but I, I know about this. So it's something that, mm-hmm. that continues throughout history as, as a teaching point. Why do you think that is? It's, it's, a, it's an allusion to the glory of the Western culture. David versus Goliath. I mean, mm-hmm. bravery. Great underdog of sure defeat. Standing up to the corrupt. Sticking to your guns. There's euphemisms on euphemisms on euphemisms. I think, especially as you know, Americans, it really speaks to a lot of what we you know hold dear to us and at the same time where do you think we we got those from shit like this like it's it's amazing that it's such a bastion of history Mm -hmm. and everybody sees a little bit of themselves and i'm sure every pretty much everyone on earth shares some sort of value with what one side or the other was fighting for right and not only was it you know david versus versus goliath you know 300 versus million because when the story is told it's always told as 300 stood up to millions or to tens of thousands you know whatever it it's not ever told of well it was 7000 versus 100000 it mm-hmm. it's 300 versus 100000 at least and you know so so that all that sound that's just a great starting point for any story you want to tell absolutely uh, and Leonidas you know, and the brave 300 Right, it, Game of Thrones, or A Song of Ice and Fire even borrows from that with the Unsullied. They're they're kind of a mirror to the Spartans. They had a basically a last stand like this at Carth, where um, 
I want to say it was the Yunkish were trying to invade Karth. The Karthine had hired Unsullied, and the Unsullied were greatly outnumbered, but held a last stand down to the last man, and that the basically wore out the much greater Yunkish army. So it, it stands up, the, the storytelling framework stands up to current and historical storytelling. It's Absolutely. a good story to tell when you can tell that a lot versus a little and the little wins. And it, not only that, it it was free thinking winning over slavery. Mm-hmm. The free thinkers, the, the army of free thinkers were able to defeat the army of slaves. Yeah, because fuck that. It, the, no one wants to be subjugated. Right. Freedom is... Freedom is the most beautiful deep, thing ever. Right. Deep <laughs> down, know? when you're fighting, if you're fighting for your way of life versus you're fighting because somebody's holding a gun to your head saying you need to fight, the person who's fighting for their way of life has more motivation to preserve their way of life. The guy with a gun to his head figures, I'm going to die either way, so why am I going to put my all into this? Hmm. Yeah, no so. thanks. No one wants to do that. No. You got anything else on the Battle of Thermopylae, the movie 300? Uh the the movie meet the spartans anything like that never saw meet, meet the spartans, spartans. Uh, i watched I, it i couldn't tell you one joke from it i was gonna say i heard it was absolute garbage garbage yeah. um, i watched it i can't th- see that movie is worse than the 300 sequel so there you go there's one right there yep there you go you win you have proven me wrong sir i mean there's some cool action scenes in that 300 movie but it's yeah, that's I don't, about all that saves it i i don't know anything about the battle that it was about for the most part, like it's it's something that's not really on my radar, so it's it doesn't have as much meaning to me. Um, because after your second, third, fourth, fifth watch of three hundred, you're like, holy shit, so much of this is accurate that it's it's scary. Well, and I'd much rather go back and just watch three hundred again than well, watching this I mean, bad sequel. It's super good, and it's the hyper stylized action. It's mm-hmm. got uh, you know, I was a teenager when I first saw that, so I was just like, holy shit, this is crazy. Well, yeah, and knowing dudes. nothing about Zack Snyder and how he killed Watchmen and uh, Sucker Punch and, you know, the Justice League stuff, like, if if you were to say, like, somebody who's only known Zack Snyder in the last seven years, if you were to be like, no, you got to watch this movie about this 2,500-year-old battle, this, the dude from Justice League did it, but trust me, it's good, like, nobody's going to buy into that. But at the time, Zack mm-hmm. Snyder was kind of this unknown quantity and this was the first movie that looked like that. Yeah, I mean, this was such a huge movie that changed the game. It, and it's so uh, the the scenes are so beautiful, and the the over stylized um, action, like you said, is is just amazing. And the, the just the freeze frames that they pull off throughout the slow motion is done perfectly. Like, there's a lot of good filmmaking in it. I I don't know if good filmmaking is the right word, but I think you're beautiful right, and exciting filmmaking at least yeah, it's good cinematography and they right. uh, I mean it's they, not gonna win an Oscar but no it looks cool and I want to I want to see it well that's in my head that's the type of shit that I imagine when this battle's going down you everybody does that right. it's it's fun to think about what what happened there and um I got a movie to watch that's pretty cool and sweet that you yeah. know that puts me in that mindset yeah, totally agree. That's all we got for the Battle of Thermopylae. Absolutely. If you guys if have you any ha- questions, holler at us. Or just general thoughts on why we suck or are great. Love those too. We're pretty great. 
Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> Maybe our like if if you have more fun facts about the Battle of Thermopylae that we didn't cover or we got something completely wrong, let us know. We're on Twitter at APA something and uh, at alone underscore podcast. Yep, at alone underscore podcast. There we go. That's it. Uh, you can always email us at a podcast about something at gmail dot com, and uh, we're you know we're we're out there. We're out there. Hit us up. We've, we got, we've gotten a lot of good. Uh, conversations going lately and I'm, i like that i like getting good conversations so if you listen and you have thoughts just throw them at us we'll probably talk to you about it because the, the, we already talked about it for an hour we can talk more on it obviously oh yeah and i'm always game to interact with you guys we we love the fact you're listening and we appreciate it so very very much yeah if you're on itunes make sure you rate and review you can support the show through patreon uh at patreon.com slash podcast about something there is a donut I'm going to call it a donut button every time. I'm just going to change it to a donut button so I'm not wrong. There's a donate button on our website on the About Me page where you can just do a one-time donation. Any little bit helps. And uh, like I said before, we're probably going to get some merch going. Also, make sure you check out the Seinfeld, the One Shining Seinfeld moment bracket that will be going on through April 8th. And uh, there's still room to vote for, I think there's three more rounds to vote on, so Keep tuned to that. It's on It's on Twitter all the day. There's links and everything there. So check that out. Need as many votes as we can get. Got to get George to the finish line. Let's do it. The music for a podcast about something is provided by those cats. You guys uh, stay sassy. Stay classy. Stay classy.